Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for today's Thursday Vegas line report. We have a lot of moving parts with these baseball games tonight, so let's get right into it. Uh, the big news was, uh, the first big news is that the Nationals are resting three of their key hitters. So Anthony Rendon, Ryan Zimmerman, and Daniel Murphy are all out of the lineup tonight. Uh, Mike Fultonavich is a very, very inconsistent pitcher, and he's been really up and down this year. He's had a few really big strikeout games, some very strong showings. He's also been destroyed a couple times. His overall numbers look a little below average, but here's what's going on with this matchup. Fultonavich is significantly worse against left-handed batters than he is against righties. Uh, He walks 2.77 per nine against righties, but 4.33 per nine against lefties. And uh, he tends to get hit a lot harder, too, against lefties. The strikeouts are about the same, but he's just giving up a lot more damage against left-handed batters. And two of these guys that are out for the Nats uh, are are righties, but they are two of the best right-handed hitters. And then the Daniel Murphy news is the biggest one. That's arguably the Nats' best hitter uh, outside of Bryce Harper, who's already out anyway. But Murphy is going to really... Murphy's absence is really going to lower the expected output for the Nationals offense. So now looking at the Nationals lineup, we have just one left-handed batter, that's Adam Lind, and then two switch hitters in Wilmer Defoe and Jose Lobaton, who aren't good hitters anyway. This is a really, really bad lineup overall, and it's in an even better spot for Fulte because he's facing mostly right-handers. Uh, Trey Turner's still a decent hitter, Jason Worth. Um, Howie Kendrick actually isn't playing this game either. Uh, some guys that could potentially do damage are uh, towards the bottom of the order, like Michael Taylor and Victor Robles, who's a pretty good prospect. But this is a really bad offense that they're putting out tonight. So I think Fultonavich, for DFS purposes, is going to be in play. Um, but as far as the Vegas line movement, because that's what I'm mostly here to talk about, uh, the Braves were plus 162 when this line opened and are now down all the way to plus 128. Um, the total was up close to nine. Now it's at eight and a half and trending lower. So Vegas has really knocked the expected run output for the Nationals for this game, and I think it's completely justified. So the the outlook of this matchup has completely changed, and uh, I think it matters for basically any any sort of game or contest that you'd be playing in, whether it's betting on the team, setting your actual fantasy lineups, playing DFS. uh, The outlook for this game has dramatically been altered. Uh, So that's the game with the biggest news. But we also have some pretty substantial news going on in the Marlins-Phillies game where uh, the Marlins initially opened at, I think it was minus 125 uh, as road favorites in Philly with Jose Urania going against Jake Thompson. And first, Jose Urania was scratched for Vance Worley. So that was uh, information piece number one. But then the Marlins put their lineup out and the lineup does not include Giancarlo Stanton, doesn't include Christian Yelich, and it also doesn't include Marcelo Zuna. So this is a really bad Marlins lineup too. Um, I'm a little more pessimistic about the pitcher in this game than in the Braves game because Jake Thompson is he's priced the same on DraftKings as Fultonavich roughly, but he's a lot worse. Uh, I'm going to pull up Jake Thompson's stats here, but for the year in AAA, I'll start with his AAA numbers. Thompson is averaging 6.85 Ks per nine, 3.57 walks per nine. Uh, doesn't get a lot of grounders, and his ERA is 525, 440 FIP, 459 XFIP. Those are his minor league numbers across 22 starts. That That is very discouraging about what to expect from him in the majors, and in his brief major league example, it hasn't been any better. 
Uh, it's been about the same, but he's actually outperformed his peripherals a bit. So he's got a 638 FIP in the majors with a 575 X FIP. The strikeouts are only at six per nine. He's walking a lot of hitters, giving up a lot of home runs. And a few of those appearances were actually out of the bullpen, which is a little bit easier. So Thompson is one of the worst pitchers in baseball right now. Uh, he's sort of an okay prospect, but I think he's just more like organizational depth or maybe a long reliever kind of prospect where he's good enough to be in the major leagues, but he should not be starting games. And uh, that's probably when he hits his peak that we can say that about him. Right now, he's only 23, very inexperienced, and nowhere close to being productive yet. Um, so even though the Marlins are resting a lot of guys, I don't think using Thompson makes any sense for daily fantasy. Uh, but the the line in this game is now uh, it's reopened at minus 130 for Philly, and it's been bet down to minus 120. So we may be seeing some of the Sharps uh, adjusting to an overreaction on uh, on the Phillies, who have been playing really well lately. They scored a ton of runs off Dan Straley last night. Uh, maybe the, the public bias on the Phillies is getting a little bit out of hand. I'm not sure because uh, this line did just get changed with all of this news. But at the very least, I think that there isn't really a ton of value on the Phillies. They're either fairly priced or overpriced. Um, so I think the sharp money is pretty hard to figure out here, but it's certainly not on the Phillies going forward. Uh, so I don't like Thompson. I mean, the Phillies offense is really expensive for DFS purposes. And uh, Vance Worley probably isn't too much worse than Jose Urania, but they're going to be better offenses to use. So I'm probably not going near that game for the most part. Um, the other quirky thing about this daily fantasy slate, and I guess uh, just the baseball slate in general for tonight, is that um, the Cubs have a pitcher who's not listed on DraftKings. This is uh, Jen Ho Sang making his MLB debut. And he put up a 180 ERA in AAA this season, but he did it with some pretty bad peripherals, a 425 FIP and a 413 XFIP. Uh, pretty low strikeout rate, sort of mediocre walk rate. He's, he's a good ground ball pitcher, at, but he's benefited a lot from a low BABIP and high left on base percentage, which are two of the main ways that pitchers produce in unsustainable ways that are bound for regression. Uh, so I think saying making his first career start is not someone to expect big things from. The Cubs uh, usually have a short leash on their starting pitchers, at least the, the not proven ones like Jake Arrieta or John Lester or Kyle Hendricks. Uh, even Hendricks, sometimes they'll pull early in games. Uh, the Cubs go to their bullpen pretty quickly, and that's even more of a concern with um, with the expanded rosters. But Sang isn't on the daily fantasy slate anyway. Uh, as far as the Vegas line movement, though, the Mets opened at plus 222 and are now down to plus 196. Uh, it seems like there's some sharp money on the Mets here. I don't think this says much about Seth Lugo. I think it says more about the Cubs just being generally very overvalued against right-handed pitching. They're just not as good of an offense as people think they are. And maybe Sang is a little overvalued, too, for this first career start based on his minor league numbers. But I think this is just more that uh, the public views the Cubs as an elite offense, and they're much more like an average one that excels against left-handed pitching. But against righties, they're pretty average. Uh, they're just not that good. So... For DFS purposes, I think the Cubs are going to be very high-owned because they beat the Mets 17-5 to last night against Matt Harvey. And we do have to factor in ownership here on this short slate. Uh, so considering how likely high-owned the Cubs are, I think that that's a complete fade. I think using them doesn't make a ton of sense. Seth Lugo isn't good, but he's definitely better than Matt Harvey because uh, just about everyone's better than Matt Harvey. So that's, that's probably it for that game. Um, 
I guess you could potentially use some Mets hitters, but again, there there are teams in better spots that I'm about to get to here. Uh, there's an interesting matchup here for the Yankees and Orioles between Tanaka and an Orioles offense that hits righties a lot better than lefties. Tanaka is probably usable, and he's had some big strikeout games. He's very inconsistent this year, though, and he's definitely blow-up prone. Uh, he puts the ball in the air a lot, and not a good, that's not a good recipe for success at Yankee Stadium. The Orioles have a lot of power, especially against righties. Uh, the line for this game is... Yankees minus 200. It's basically stayed around that point, dropped a little bit. The totals also stayed about the same. Uh, There's a little bit of a public bias on the Yankees. The over-under betting is about split. I don't necessarily think that this is a great spot for the Orioles, but I think Tanaka is going to get a lot of usage here because uh, the Orioles last game or two, they struck out a lot, and there's just a general New York bias for pitching. There also just aren't many good pitching choices on this slate. So I think Tanaka is going to be a default option for a lot of people. And if you stack the Orioles against him, uh, you could be getting them at really low ownership. And you also could be getting the added bonus of going against a high-owned pitcher, which is rare. So to have an offense with a decent expected output against a pitcher that's very high-owned, that usually doesn't happen too often. And uh, it, for every run the Orioles score, a lot of people who use Tanaka are going to be losing points. So I think that's a route to go. But uh, I don't really have much of a take on this game. There's not really any sharp money going on here. Just um, a game where you could potentially look at both sides, and I think both are definitely in play for daily fantasy purposes. Um, The Indians, let's talk about them, uh, still have the win streak going. They're up to 21 wins now. And uh, in this game, Josh Tomlin takes on Jake Junis. The Indians open at minus 240. And the line is now down to minus 180. So it's moved about 50 or 60 cents, depending on which side you look at. Uh, The Royals have dropped from plus 213 to plus 167. The public betting is split, though, which is kind of strange. Uh, It looks like there's some disagreement between the public here, some disagreement between the sharps here. But I would think the heavier sharp action is going on the Royals just because of this really strong line movement. Um, I think Tomlin is definitely really overvalued for this start. He looked good in his last start against the Orioles, but he's a pretty mediocre pitcher overall. Doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. Uh, The Royals offense is sort of okay. Uh, I won't call it a good offense, but it's probably not as bad as people think it is. Uh, Or on occasion, it's not as good as people think it is. They've, They've been very up and down this season. The way they score runs is very friendly for DFS with homers and steals, and they've turned into more of a swing for the fences team. So, At points this year, they've been very cheap. At points this year, they've been very expensive. Tonight, they're actually very cheap, and I think that a lot of that is a bias about Josh Tomlin and the Indians' win streak. Uh, So I think that the Royals could make some sense for stacking. They're not going to be my favorite team to use, but I do think they make some sense. But it's very clear that the Indians are overvalued. Uh, As far as using Indians hitters, they do have a good matchup against Jake Junis, but again, This is going to be another very high-owned team, and looking at the prices, the Indians have been insanely expensive the last few weeks during this streak. They have four hitters above $5,000 on DraftKings that that are all above $5,000 on DraftKings. Uh, Lindor's at $5,700. Jose Ramirez is at $5,600. It's just just too much to pay for them. Uh, I think there could be some value on their cheaper guys, like Lonnie Chisinau batting second for $4,000, Jay Bruce at $4,300. But overall, this is just way too pricey of an offense for stacking. So let's move on to the game where I think there's the most offensive potential, and that's the Rangers-Mariners game. Uh, Felix Hernandez is coming off the DL from a shoulder injury, and uh, he's supposed to be on a pitch count of 50 or so. 
So that's not a very good sign for the status of his shoulder, his overall health. Um, it's not it's not a vote of confidence to say he's good enough to pitch in the rotation now, but we're only going to let him throw 50 pitches because we're concerned about his arm. Uh, Felix didn't make a rehab start because the minor league season has been over for, I think, a few weeks now. Uh, so there, there's definitely going to be, I won't call it rust, but I think there could be some lingering injury here that uh, the Mariners, who are sort of in desperation mode for a playoff push, uh, they're one of a, several teams fighting for a wild card spot, and uh, Texas is one of the teams they're competing with. So this is a very important game for them. I think they're sort of in desperation mode here with uh, a pretty bad starting rotation, and they're kind of just rushing Felix Hernandez back. So I think, again, uh, we're going to get some groans here because of how they've performed the last few nights, but I think the Rangers are in the strongest offensive spot. Uh, the total for this game opened at 10 with some juice on the under, and it's now up to 10.5, trending towards 11. So the lines jumped up almost a full run, and that's with 72% of people betting on the under. So the public does not think there's going to be runs in this game uh, nearly as much as the Sharps and Vegas do. I think there's personal. I personally think there's going to be a ton of runs in this game just because the pitching is bad and it's Texas, so it's a very strong hitting environment. And uh, the offenses are at least semi-decent. And the Rangers just don't cost that much. Again, um, there's definitely a lot of recency bias here where the Rangers just haven't played well over the last two or three games. And because of that, their prices have been suppressed. So this is by far my favorite offense for daily fantasy purposes. I think Texas may be undervalued on the Vegas line. Uh, they're at Pickham. It stayed around there. But uh, the big indicator here is definitely the over where uh, – the total has jumped almost a full run. And the only reason I'm not really mentioning the Mariners against Andrew Kashner is that the Mariners are more expensive than the Rangers. So I'll just run through the prices real quick. Uh, the Mariners are 5,000 for Cano, 4,900 for Cruz, 4,500 for Seager, uh, 4,500 for Hanniger. And uh, the Rangers, most expensive hitter is Elvis Andrews at 4,600. Everyone else is a good amount cheaper than that. Uh, we do actually have some big news uh, that I'm just seeing now that I didn't realize until almost all the way through analyzing this game. Adrian Beltre is in the starting lineup for the first time in a couple weeks. Uh, so that's a big boost to the Texas offense. He's batting fourth. And he's been dealing with, I think it's an ankle or calf injury it's possible that you have to worry about him being lifted for a pinch runner late in the game. Maybe they just don't want him playing the entire game. But 4,400 against Felix Hernandez and a probably injured Felix Hernandez, um, even if you're not using Beltre, that's a huge boost to the offense overall. So I think that that's got to be part of the reason why the total is going up. Uh, but you're not seeing that reflected on the Rangers' money line. And I think most people are probably just going to overlook this offense entirely because they've had two clunkers in a row. But getting Beltre back is huge he's the best hitter on the team um not the most upside of any hitter on the team that would be joey gallo for sure who just swings for the fences every time but beltray is their best pure hitter and uh it's a big upgrade for them to have him back and uh there's not really else, much else to talk about in terms of sharp action there's two other games that i haven't mentioned uh the blue jays and the twins and then the astros and the angels uh, there's nothing going on with the lines in either of these games both of them are seeing almost no movement uh so just to touch on them briefly I have no interest in the Twins for DFS purposes. Um, they don't hit lefties well except for Brian Dozier. And Brett Anderson isn't very good, but Dozier is expensive. Uh, he's 5100 So if you're going to use a Twins hitter, he makes the most sense, but he's also pretty pricey. Uh, so I don't really, I don't think it's a great spot for him just because of what he costs. But 
Uh, he definitely has a good chance to have a really good game batting first against a lefty who's sort of mediocre, and he crushes left-handed pitching. Uh, but that game as a whole just looks like a fade. Barrios is overpriced on DraftKings. Uh, the Blue Jays' offense isn't very good, so I think you kind of just stay away from both sides there. Uh, and then there's no line movement going on in the Astros-Angels game, but Brad Peacock uh, is one of the best strikeout pitchers in baseball. He's sort of fairly priced, but on a slate with limited options, I think that he makes sense for DFS. Um, even though the Angels' offense is much improved with the Justin Upton acquisition, the Brandon Phillips acquisition, Peacock could still definitely have a big game against them uh, because he's capable of having a big game against anyone. He gets a ton of strikeouts. I think he's averaging over... He might be over 11 per nine for the season now, uh, but he's he's in the top 10 in K rate, and um, he's just a good pitcher overall that most people just aren't aware of. And uh, even though the matchup is tough, I think because of the limited choices, Peacock makes sense. And uh, looking at the numbers now, Peacock is actually averaging 11.74 strikeouts per nine innings this season. So even if um, his overall output in terms of runs allowed is a little bit more troubling than usual against the Angels, uh, the strikeouts are probably going to be there because that's just something he excels at. And for DFS purposes, uh, that's the most important factor is how many strikeouts a pitcher can get. And uh, I think that'll wrap it up. So this has been a fairly quick one. Hopefully there's enough information for everyone there. Just to recap, I think the Rangers offense is seeing the strongest boost I think that uh, the Nationals offense is seeing the strongest negative boost. And then, um, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh, the the regular foul balls podcast will return tomorrow.